I'm Margaret Tavares. I'm Dan Sapelsa. Today we're taking a look at imposter syndrome in the development community. You're listening to episode 15 of Torqued. Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast. Today we're going to be talking about an interesting topic in our industry, and that would be imposter syndrome. So what is imposter syndrome? If you've never heard the term before, perhaps you've at least seen it happen to someone or experienced it somehow. So welcome today's de- so we're going to welcome today's guests on the podcast. Welcome to Brian Hogg and Danny Mills. Both are developers here at Vehicle. So let's deep dive into this and get an understanding. Um, and this question's up for anybody. What does imposter syndrome mean to you? <laughs> so the definition I found a while back was uh, the inability to internalize your own success. So you're just constantly on edge and thinking everyone's going to find you as a fraud, even though you might have gotten like accolades in the past or you've read, you know, you've had experience in it and you know that you know what you're doing, but you just, you just can't internalize that. And you just think that, no, I don't, I don't actually know it. And everyone's going to find me out like tomorrow and everything's going to end. So <laughs> I thought that was a really <laughs> concise uh, definition that, uh, that I found a while back. Yeah, definitely. I can understand that. What about you, Daniel? Uh, I guess imposter syndrome for me would be like the strange difference that I've had in the last like five years of my life. And now I live relatively comfortable and I didn't back then. And I feel like the path I took to get here was so simple and easy that I don't feel like I actually did anything or am worth it. So five years ago, (laughs) that was when what you started your career or you've finished school and then started a job being a developer? That's when I decided to go back to school. I said, let's make a change. I uh, learned that computers were actually like pretty popular. Like everyone kind of started having them and were like carrying them and talking to them and stuff. And I thought I should get in on that. (laughs) And so I was able to go back to school and within a few years, like was making like, like triple to quadruple what I was making hustling my ass off like 12 hours a day working in restaurant kitchens and now I work like a regular eight hour shift and it's so late and I sit in the most comfy chair (laughs) and like I just use my brain to do my (laughs) job and it just seems so different from the life I had before and sometimes like I guess imposter syndrome for me would kind of be like the feeling of like is this really my life is this like am I worth what I'm receiving for something that feels so uh, lighter and easier than what I was used to in the past. It's so interesting since I didn't know that about you until now, (laughs) right? And all I've heard is good things about how you're a good developer. So that's interesting. Uh, Oh, it's interesting. You've heard those things. (laughs) Wait, who did you pay? The Daniel Mills made for TV movie uh, comes out this fall. (laughs) Not a a dry eye in the house. (laughs) I found that pretty interesting though, because I feel like, Brian, your look into it is more so, I don't belong here, I don't know, like, I feel like I'm not good enough, where yeah. Dan is just like, with Daniel, oh, two Dans on the show, it's kind of, <laughs> kind of complicated, so Daniel over here is just like, you know what, I felt like, do you feel like it was kind of like, a, like too much of a breeze for you getting through this compared to how it was before? Is that why? It's, yeah, I guess it's that it's very, um, I guess, coming into the industry, I kind of thought of it as like a place for geniuses and um, it turns out that 
no, they'll have idiots like me <laughs> and I can somehow do it. And like, I, I don't know if like I'm, I'm wearing shoes without laces because I have a hard time doing them up and somehow like I'm living this life. We're all professional and, stack overflow yeah, coffee pasters. Yeah, exactly. So I describe my career to my mom. Yeah. It's, I, yeah. I really guess I thought the barrier to entry was so much higher than it is and I guess like there's a I guess there's a difference between what I do on the day-to-day versus the person who's like building the programming language that I do it in that's like definitely like a barrier up but there's there's room for dummies like me mm-hmm. but I don't I think that's kind of a um, bit of like a hidden topic that people don't really like to talk about because they don't want to be seen as kind of there's like a barrier of um uh what's the word i'm looking for there's a there's a veil of kind of like superiority around computer programming and that there's a level of complication that i think we all try to kind of withhold to kind of build up about what we do you know when you have people talking about um you know you're a computer programmer you must be a genius and it's nice to say, yeah, I am. <laughs> and I think there's kind of Actually. that two sides of it where one side is kind of you wanting to feel like a genius, but then when you're stubbing your toe on some sort of trivial code problem, you kind of think like, wow, I am not good at anything in life. <laughs> <laughs> what am there's I doing those, with my Yeah, life? there's those two extremes, right? The two parallels. Well, it's interesting that you're you know, you're repeatedly calling yourself a dummy <laughs> while describing <laughs> what you're doing. Yet, I mean, like, uh, I think the vehicle standards are pretty high. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, again, I snuck in, right? But uh, <laughs> just, just we've raised them recently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't hired anyone since me because they're trying to figure out what went wrong. <laughs> you were the last hired. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, you've you've been here for a while, and and that wouldn't be the case if if you were a dummy. But maybe mm. it's just a different type of smarts right like my sister for example is super smart in terms of like managing like a retail store and dealing with irate customers that i would not be able to do in a million years without like just freaking out constantly right so it's like this different it's almost like life smarts versus you know computer smarts yeah um yet you know i can't find something you know if i need this oh just find this in the cupboard or in the pantry on the second shelf i'm like oh, what you know second right? shelf how do i <laughs> is get it there? you know and is it the zero is shelf is yeah. the bottom first <laughs> indexing by zero <laughs> so yeah so since but it's interesting like is that more just for the show that you're kind of thinking that or do you oh, actually think that yeah yeah i mean i I'm definitely a big fan of like diminishing myself because it kind of <laughs> kind of keeps the bar nice and low. But I, I think what you're pointing to too is that there is in our industry like there's a wide spectrum for speciality, and I think the best way to kind of find success is to kind of carve out a nice niche for yourself and try and kind of you know when you're feeling like you're incapable of doing your job kind of focus on the fact that like yeah i i kind of suck at x but at least like i'm still pretty good at y and maybe z said international (laughs) i feel like that's such a good point because starting off in this industry at least for me you're kind of thrown into this huge general ocean of things that you could specialize in and you don't think of specialized you think okay i gotta get up to par where everybody else is right now because that's where everybody else is and I'm not there and you're constantly freaking out in this cycle it's like I'm not going to be there so I got to keep trying but there's so many things that are coming out and 
it's it's overwhelming. Yeah, and who are these everybody's, right? <laughs> there's so many there's so many people in the world, right? Yeah, but um and even just seeing what like like how you mentioned before, right? That you know, say like Taylor uh, and, and creator of Laravel and how he's at this level. Mm-hmm. But it's like, how many hours did he have to put in, right? Like, we see the end result. Yeah. We go, holy crap, right? But we didn't see all the probably days and weeks and months <laughs> that he's probably spent thinking the same thing. I'm at, what am I doing <laughs> with my yeah. life? I can't figure out how to create this thing and the language and the framework. You know, I should just stop now, right? So um, we don't see that. Well, we just see like the end result on GitHub and these pretty commits that I probably had like five to 10 to 20 iterations before yeah, it goes public, for, right? A couple force pushes in there right? to erase the mistakes. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, it's like, I think too, yeah, I mean, we're exposed to a lot of people's work and a lot of people's kind of like through social media. And it's like my mom always says, you, you can't compare your insides to someone else's outsides, right? <laughs> so you get like all we ever see is the nice shine patina of what people are sharing and putting out there. But you don't know the internal struggle they have of um like maybe i feel like i'll never be taylor otwell no matter how hard i want to be but you got to think about like like a musician may think like i'll never be as good as neil young but then you got to realize like neil young probably stayed up wishing he could be as good as like ginsburg or albert camus or something right like everyone is always comparing themselves to someone else higher up there and I think maybe it's important to not get lost in that and be able to think like about the path that you're trying to take to get there. You know, that makes me think, do you think imposter syndrome could be a lot more common nowadays because everybody's so exposed to social media, you're always comparing yourself to somebody else, everyone's always going to be looking to be that much better because everyone just keeps putting stuff online to think that 100 percent. yeah before it would just be your little circle of friends in the atrium <laughs> of your high school right would be, would be your so. you know you're like oh that person's got that cool shirt or it's driving that car or whatever right and now yeah you can literally see thousands upon or millions of people right mm-hmm. that that you know that these social media things are, are thinking you know algorithmically are, are your friends um what they're up to and and like you said it's the shiny stuff that they're putting in line right like at least yeah. in high school in the atrium you get to see some of the mess ups you know like oh what the, remember the school dance you know they had that one really good dance but then that other dance that's so good <laughs> right <laughs> i'm just thinking through this now like yeah no you so you got to see kind of more of the story versus uh just what they were sharing so totally i think that has been a huge thing um that's that's changed definitely not just something that's isolated to the development community right the Mm -hmm. the whole social media and putting your your best face forward and you know there's that meme about like you know what people think i do on facebook and what i really do and that's so you know you kind of try to make it seem like you're living the best life sometimes on social media and then someone else is consuming that content they're like well i'm sitting at home and eating cheetos on a friday <laughs> like, look at this look at this amazing vista that daniel's looking out over you know yeah um when yeah you didn't realize that he ate cheetos at home for the last 10 friday nights <laughs> right? and it's so, a stock photo i put up yeah right <laughs> so, yeah it kind of reminds this just this discussion kind of reminds me a little bit of um uh, Laracon last summer and Justin Jackson's talk, which was centered around kind of marketing for developers. But one of the things that resonated with me was he was talking about like, you know, you can't be comparing yourselves to these, you know, quote unquote rock stars in the development community that you're kind of look, looking up to that are maybe putting out a lot of products or, or info and stuff like that. 
um, because it, it they give the illusion or there might be the illusion that you know they're they're working 24 7 and like every other day there's something something crazy awesome is dropping but he's like exactly what you said daniel you don't see the the behind the scenes struggle and like you know it probably started with a commit where they didn't really know what the heck they were going to do or how they were going to solve this problem and there was probably a a lot of struggle there we didn't we didn't see and, and some stuff that they would be maybe like ashamed to say publicly that they didn't know how to do initially right um so yeah we kind of need to to always keep that in mind keep yourself in check a little bit or you two, have to like, check yourself before what <laughs> before you have hence direct yourself <laughs> the <laughs> yeah and it's it's one thing too on the day-to-day you know when i'm kind of looking at uh, kind of the perfect nirvana of like all of these people putting out code examples and I always kind of think like everything is beautiful and nice in a hundred line example meanwhile I'm stuck in this project that I've been like shoveling on for eight months and I've had to do some unspeakable things <laughs> because of deadlines and clients <laughs> and you know it's just kind of it's that it's literally the code version of sitting on the couch with Cheetos while looking out at the beautiful code vista, right? And that can kind of, like, that's something that you dig into for your full eight-hour day as you're kind of trying to make it real. And so one thing I wonder about is how do you, like, other than just kind of improving the code base and kind of holding standards the best you can, how do you kind of deal with that kind of war zone of a project that you're in and not kind of... Do you just ignore the beautiful vistas out there and just kind of trick yourself that there is no greener grass <laughs> or how do you balance that a little bit? That's why I only share five to 10 line examples, yeah. not a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> you make them look prettier a lot quicker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good point. If you're sharing something and you think, oh, this isn't worth sharing because it's not a hundred lines. It's like, no, if it took you more than 20 minutes to figure out, you're going to save someone's day you know, if yeah. you just share a couple lines of code and put it out there. But um, I don't know. Yeah, there is always that balance between real life right, yeah. and, and the stuff you need to do for the clients and the project. Just because, like, is there business value, right? Like, you could spend a year perfecting some module of the program, but is that year of, you know, cost and time and everything else actually going to be a benefit to the client? Yeah. No. But okay, it, no, yeah. <laughs> maybe <laughs> depending, right? Because yeah. if it is the core module and everything's using it, right, which you tend to get to, right? Like you make you do those unspeakable things, mm-hmm. and then it starts to get, you know, you, you get to a point where you're like, you know what, this is actually really hard to deal with now <laughs> because we're using this module more than we thought, or yeah. we're using this piece of code, or or now we're doing this a different way than I originally thought. Now we got to circle back and fix it. But if it's not, and everything's running pretty well, and you've got some decent test coverage, or, or you know, you're you're got some QA that's like manually going through it, if you don't have automated tests, then it's fine, you know, right? But yeah, coming to that, I, I don't know. I'm sure every developer struggles with that, yeah. like like we do, right? Just uh, the spot of shame in the middle <laughs> of the code base that you kind of like trot around. <laughs> That's why these are nice that they're not public repos, right? So yeah. no, no one can see these unspeakable <laughs> things. Imagine the world with no private repos Ooh. where it just everyone had to share everything. So cool. if I'm understanding completely correctly there, Daniel, you're saying that you're feeling some struggle sometimes in that um, you have to make trade-offs for like code quality and project quality 
for you know meeting deadlines and, and client demands and stuff like that. Is that is that right? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think I, to, to that, I would say like my experience, especially working in a consultancy is like that's par for the course, right? Like the the vision of, you know, that perfect code base and, you know, everything's perfectly unit tested and everything's cleanly separated and all that, you know, the stuff that we shoot for, like. In a, in a consultancy, would you guys agree? Like yeah, that's yeah. that's that's non-existent, right? Like, <laughs> it almost yeah. forces. There's you. elements wow. of that, and especially yeah. maybe if you're working on a greenfield project, you, just times you get this this elements of that. Uh, but there's always going to be time where there, there's where there's um, demands for you know on your on time and and, and and a crunch to get something done, and you're going to have to make sacrifices. It almost right? forces you to not spend you know a, a month on something yeah. that really you should have just spent a couple and days. And I would I would almost <laughs> say like. Um, if there are people out there that that purport like that that that's not the case, and you can always have this perfect solution, and you know this, this sometimes we joke about these people like living in an ivory tower, not actually touching <laughs> real code, and yeah. every example is always perfect, just works out perfectly. Like I would say, like if if people like try to portray that as the reality, they're the ones being the imposter in a way, right? Like that's that's not real life. Mm. No. Yeah, it's almost like the beauty standard and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Where I'm trying to compare my ugly mug to like <laughs> the faces I see in the magazines and all the pretty faces out there. It's just not reality. Yeah. I yeah. Guess. But the difference is like in the magazines, they're like getting airbrushed and they're in front of a makeup <laughs> for, you know, like, like an hour before that shoot. And then it's Photoshopped afterwards. Whereas like you're out, you know, working in the fields, man, and you got the wind beating in your face. And it's, like, the sun, I mean, like, I try trying and out your skin. I mean, you look incredible. I contour a little <laughs> but, bit, <laughs> but like you've got stuff that you're dealing with that that they're not dealing with, right? So it's not an apples to apples comparison in my mind. Is there an equivalent of like an airbrusher, like a Photoshop person for a magazine, like to someone who would just swoop in for our code? Oh, like, like make it look way nicer. Airbrush for your code. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good product high service right there. Yeah. <laughs> I would pay that person a hefty sum. <laughs> yeah, I guess it, it is kind of nice to hear that that's just the real world. Maybe yeah. this is a bit of a, my inexperience or like the as I move from junior boy to intermediate <laughs> man. <laughs> it's kind of me coming to terms with this is just the way it is. I think yeah. uh, it's nice to hear that that's real and everyone feels that way. I think if you're working on your own project, there, you know, there might be obviously a, a desire and a more realistic um, likelihood that you can kind of maintain that more kind of like clean, perfect code when you're kind of driving everything. But as soon as you've got outside influences and, and factors and stuff like that, you're going to have to compromise the code at some point, right? And just like what you said, Daniel, I feel like the more experience you have, the more familiarity you have with what you need to do, it won't have to feel like you're an imposter, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right. I guess every good motto for imposter syndrome would be not, I'm not as crappy as I was yesterday, where like... I think I look back to like when I first started at vehicle. I was all I, I, my eyes were brighter. The bags were probably a little less prevalent under my <laughs> eyes, <laughs> but I wasn't as like hardened, and and I'm just overall better at my job. I think, mm-hmm. which I think is something good to keep in mind when I'm kind of feeling down and being like, why doesn't this project look like? West Boses. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard, right? Like, especially the, the, the longer you do this, you, you kind of got your head down day to day and you're, you're very much focusing on the micro at any given moment. And sometimes it, it is really hard to kind of take a step back and have that macro look at kind of like where your skills have come from or where they are now. Uh, but when I do think a little bit harder about that, like I think of like, 
you know, my first days as a quote unquote professional web developer and like how long it took me to like wire up a form and submit a form to the server and validate that code and store it in the database. Like I remember spending like hours doing a relatively simple form and now obviously with the help of some tooling and stuff, but like the, the speed that I can whip something, you know, equivalent up now when I, when I think about that comparison, I go, oh yeah, you know, my skills have come a long way in a lot of ways. There's, you know, obviously tons to learn out there and, and, and tons to know and, and it's changing every day. I guess we're feeling as an imposter to our peers, right? Like to other people who know code, because mm-hmm. like our clients are not going to have any clue. Yeah. <laughs> and the value in, you know, and they're super happy with, you know, I guess some of the stuff we're ashamed of because yeah. that feature got live and they made money faster. Right. Yeah. So, but it's weird because we're not working with, you know, obviously we're working with clients every day, but we're, we're primarily gain or aiming to get the respect and admiration of our peers as opposed to, <laughs> as opposed yeah, to the clients. Right. So like the peer thing for sure is, is something like Daniel, you were saying earlier, if I can summarize that you feel you feel the, the imposter syndrome sometime when you kind of reflect on like where you are in your career and you don't feel like you've really kind of earned that path or, or you know am i saying that yeah. correctly right yeah and i can't say I, I necessarily have had that same feeling but where i feel kind of imposter syndrome I, I think often is related to like you said brian like peer stuff right and i try not to shy away from it i think it helps you grow but but anytime you know you're you're forced to put yourself out there whether that's writing a blog post or uh giving a talk uh, amongst colleagues things like that um and you're you're kind of you're talking to someone who's you see is kind of at your level or maybe even above your level and you feel like you want to, you know, have these incredibly smart things to say and kind of blow their mind and teach them something new. But really, you just need to like present that present that information as best you can, as best you know it. Um, I certainly, when I think about it, when if someone presents something to me that I already know, I don't really have the thought of like this person's an idiot. Why are they saying this? I just think, oh, okay, I know that. That's fine. I don't maybe need to really focus on on paying attention to that, right? But I think the one of the things to keep in mind is like there's a very good chance there's someone out there that's going to get something from that, right? If you feel it's worthy to say, it's probably something you've struggled with in the past, and there's a good chance that someone else is going to take something from that. Speaking of the respect from peers, I mean, part of applying for here was not only to work with you cool folk, but also (laughs) to see, like, okay, I've been on the marketing, like, write a bit of code, and then sell it to people who don't give a crap about how good the code quality is, right? Um, And being able to see, okay, can I still, I don't know, survive or, or thrive or, or work in an environment of, you know, a team of developers, right? So, um, yeah, that was good good experience to go through. The answer point? is no. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is look at your desk. Help. Your, your laptop is gone and you're fired. <laughs> oh, I think it's a great point that you brought up, Brian, because as I was looking through, like, what imposter syndrome is, they said, like, one of the biggest triggers that would get someone thinking about imposter syndrome is applying for a new job trying to apply to this new community that they have no idea about. All these people are on different calibers. Mm -hmm. Will you be able to stand with them as well? Will you get along with them? So thinking back as well, like Dan and Daniel, when you (laughs) applied here at Vehicle, like what was that like for you? Did you feel parts of imposter syndrome as well or? Um, Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes you question like how well do I know these things that they're asking me to know about, right? Oh, version control or um, you know, PHP or anything. You say, yeah, I know that. And it's like, well, how, do I really know that? Or, you know, do I just kind of know about that? Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's one of those, one of those situations in your career, which is going to make you kind of self-analyze and see, you know, how, how well do I, do I understand this? And yeah, there could be elements of imposter syndrome creeping in from that kind of process. Right. Yeah. I think for me, 
like when I applied here, I was not fresh out of school, but I was still just kind of fresh out of school. Like I had a bit of experience under my belt. And so I was pretty like hyped and ready. I was like, interviews, come on, pass me that binary tree. I'll reverse it. Watch this with my eyes closed, like, <laughs> nothing going on. I think for me, the imposter syndrome kind of came more once I landed and as vehicles started to grow and grow and we got more really smart JavaScript developers and more really smart PHP developers where I kind of started to feel like, okay, there's a, a lot of smart, intelligent people that are having like really cool, interesting conversations all the time and coming up with really great solutions to problems. And it's, can I still hang with these guys? Not like because they're not cool or anything like that. <laughs> but like, am I still up to par to where the par has now been up par too? <laughs> right. So like, what do you do in situations like that? Do you, okay, you listen to their conversation, you grab some keywords, you Google it, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah I know what yeah. you're talking about. Oh yeah, imposter syndrome, let's see what this is. <laughs> I think there's a market for like a product that you can like, discreetly Google something or a little more discreetly, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. I don't That's know. what, in the middle of conversations, I go to the bathroom like six times. <laughs> <laughs> one second. I thought right I was back. the only one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Part of it's probably asking, being okay to ask questions, which... I mean, circles back to the whole imposter syndrome thing, right? And you asking a question means like, whoa, man, you, you didn't, you didn't know that. You know, right? <laughs> but people who are like cool, like the people who work here, are like happy to like explain a bit. And then mm -hmm. as they're explaining, if you're, you know, you don't go, oh yeah, yeah, I know that. Like you can just, be, oh, so it's like this. And then yeah, you know, like usually people who are cool and know what they're doing, like are okay to like explain things a bit. And then through that, you can then start to gain more knowledge and see where the shortfalls are and stuff. But. I get elements of that sometimes on Twitter, people that I follow. And uh, once in a while, there might they might send out a tweet. And I, it might even be about something I know about. It might be about like the Laravel framework or something like that. But they'll be like in some part of the framework using a feature that I'm just not aware of or have any familiarity with. And then you know, I'll read this tweet and I'll be like, man, I thought I knew about this thing. And they're mentioning all this stuff that I've never heard of or have under any understanding what they're talking about. Like, holy crap, I don't know anything. <laughs> right? Yeah. From like one, like 140 characters. Or so it's 280 now, so way more chance for <laughs> yeah. stuff we don't know to be thrown in there. Um, I guess like pair programming, I, I think I mentioned this to Stephen when we were talking before, but um, how that can be a nice tool to get over some of the imposter stuff. To actually see not just the end result, but work through a problem with them. You know, maybe they're driving and you're kind of observing more, but then you can start to see, oh, okay. And, and, and see the missteps too that they take, right? Like, you know, that you don't see like every single character of every single piece of code that they write is is what ends up in the commit. Like they write a bit, they, they save it, they test it, they refresh, and then they go, oh shoot, that didn't work the way I thought. And then go back and then you get to see, oh, okay. Yeah, they're, they're kind of learning and, and going through a process and then you also get to learn that process along the way. So I don't know. I, I found pair program with someone who's like not a douche, I guess. You know, yeah, who's yeah. not just like, oh, you didn't know that, or or not really communicating mm -hmm. um, is a great way to to get. Away I think that. it can have a, a triggering effect, mm -hmm. right? Like certainly for some people, oh man, I got a pair. Especially if you're if you're yeah. pairing with someone that you might you know in your head you know view as you know higher than your skill level. Uh, I think that can be a, a, a probably probably a triggering effect for people. But at yeah. the same time, I think it can also be. 
um, a tool to kind of get over that, right? And yeah. exactly like you said, just yeah. see how other people work and that, you know, other people make mistakes too, right? Yep. A little bit of exposure therapy. It's like, and the chorus agrees. It's like getting an immunization, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Like it's a very. Uh, it sounds silly to say, but pair programming is really like putting yourself out there, where you're kind of saying like you're going to show someone how you think, and it's kind of. Uh, sometimes I get a little anxious thinking about like. I'm about to pair program with someone. They're going to watch me fail a lot. It's going to be a little highlight reel of failure for this person. <laughs> and, like, I get nervous thinking about, like, this is the problem. This is how I think I would solve it. Is this the right way to solve it? Are they going to come with a better way to solve it? And if they, like, I guess the end value is if they do, that's great. But kind of overcoming the fear of, like, I think we should do this this way. And then the way I put forward is so dumb and inefficient <laughs> and like not the right way. I wish I had never said it. Uh-huh. And kind of getting over that sort of hump, I think, is like kind of the crux of the imposter syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're feeling like I'm not even good enough to put this out there. And even that there's or, no one right way either, right? Like, <laughs> But I know that I have the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, there's no one right way, but there are several wrong ways. Yeah. <laughs> and mob programming takes it to a whole other level. Like, you make one wrong type. Whoa, Ooh, man. Yeah, curly brace yeah. instead of square bracket. What are you doing? I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I think if you want constructive feedback, though, just post your code on Reddit, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really, yeah, really totally. good stuff there. 100%. <laughs> there are no trolls on Reddit at all. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> Have some Russian bot downvoting your code. <laughs> Damn it. So I guess with pairing with other people, that's one of the ways you can kind of help the whole imposter syndrome. What other ways have you kind of explored to figure out or to kind of get rid of that imposter syndrome feeling? Yeah. Um, for me, I've gone to, I think, going to more either technical or non-technical you know, focus conferences, um, but with technical people there and just getting, getting to know them as people mm. and then hearing some of those struggles behind the scenes, right? Like you were talking about before that, you know, it's like, oh, how, how did you launch that product? How did you, uh, you know, develop that site? And then you kind of hear through the process that, you know, like they, they might not have known what direction they were going in at first. Um, and then they become like someone who's like a friend who you can either pair with or, or bounce ideas off of later down the road, right? Like, um, I don't know, over the years, I found that as a pretty sweet um, method. And then just, yeah, again, realizing more and more that, hey, this isn't just me. Even if it doesn't completely get rid of that feeling, I don't think anything ever will. But at least there's more confirmation that, yes, I'm not the only one who's feeling it. And just kind of telling yourself that over and over again, then like, hey, yeah, other people go through these struggles as well. So, yeah, I don't know, conferences and just meeting people. IRL. It's unfortunate, yeah, to see eye to eye with somebody. That's definitely going to help. Yeah. I'm not doing that. The graphics suck. I don't know. <laughs> I think that anything you can do to expose the co- any code that you've written can can help in that. So that could come, you know, because I think maybe when you're a junior developer, you're sometimes afraid to show off your code. Or you don't want to share it with someone. You think you're going to get judged for it, et cetera, et cetera. But as soon as you can start kind of like making your code public and having just at least putting it out there for other people to see whether they see it or not, that's going to be a benefit. 
and it's going to maybe help you move past this kind of imposter syndrome stuff. So that could come from um, making a pull request on a project that you're working on, right? And then someone else is going to look at the code and you're going to talk about it. That could come from maybe getting involved in open source and making pull requests to a library or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could come from um, making a blog post explaining some topic or you show some code samples, stuff like that. <laughs> or, um, or just jumping in and creating a whole course like I did. Yeah. <laughs> and hoping but, that people were okay with it. But really, again, it's like, you know, you got to have a, a bit of a bit of the poison to kind of um, you know come up come up with a cure is is you need to kind of move past that that fear of of exposing your code right everyone does it and just kind of accept that fact and and put it out there and uh, and go from there so I guess even after following all those different steps to get rid of imposter syndrome do you think that's at all possible like you'll forever just get rid of imposter syndrome and never feel it again I don't think so. <laughs> the best thing about mental illness is it's a hundred percent curable and will leave you forever. <laughs> uh, oh, sarcasm! Yeah, yeah. Well, I think one of the aspects is that this is an industry that's always evolving. There's always more things to know, like literally every day, right? And if if that's an element of imposter syndrome for you, that like, oh, there's more out there I don't know, like that's the condition you're never gonna never gonna cure, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe if you're into like you know 16th century French literature, maybe you can get to a point where like <laughs> Start to let it go. you know there's not there's not new literature being made. I don't think for that <laughs> century. century. Yeah. Maybe you can get to a point where you kind of know everything, quote unquote. Uh, but I don't think that's realistic in our field, or probably a lot of other fields out there, right? So, no. so I, I could say that's a pretty good aspiration to have to continue to learn more and more. And For sure, I think that's sure. that feeling for me is one of the exciting things about syndrome. about development. Is there's always something new, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if I don't, statements don't feel like it's going to get. There's elements that will get stagnant, but but there's also that promise of something new all the time, right? If statements are still if statements, loops are loops, regardless of what mm-hmm. language you're using, right? So at least if you know the fundamentals, you can jump in. Plus, going back to clients. You know, a lot of times if you're working in a consultancy like this, right, it's nice where new technologies kind of come up. Either you're taking over an existing project or whatever, and then you get to kind of learn that way. But, um, yeah, you can't, cannot learn everything. hundred <laughs> percent just need to tell yourself over and over again. One thought I had was just thinking about sort of other professions, other industries. Imposter syndrome must exist, right? Do you think it's... It's more prevalent in some other industries. Is it as much of a problem? Is it less of a problem? Are there some industries where it doesn't exist? I don't know. It was just kind of general thoughts I was having. I'm wondering if there's anything specific to development or web development that that kind of um, in- increases the um, chances someone's going to feel those effects. I don't know. Um, sometimes I feel like that when I'm looking at like a like a coding tutorial or something. This guy is just sitting in front of the camera explaining code like no tomorrow. I'm like, I'm never, <laughs> ever going to be able to get to that level. How am I supposed to be able to do that? Hours and hours and hours of prep. <laughs> Creating a script that we I thought you were going to say editing. <laughs> yeah, editing. Hours of hours of editing. Creative editing. Yeah. But, yeah, like you guys said, you don't see what happens behind the scenes, oh right? Gosh. So Yeah, after I'm just wrapping up a programming course now, and it's, yeah, it's yeah. a lot of work. Like, do you, <laughs> you just created one, do you? Yeah. Do you think like a neurosurgeon is like mid-operation one day, like four hours deep? And he, just, he or she just says, like, holy crap, how did I get here? Like, what have I done? You know, like, Four hours is a long time to think about that. I'm sure it'll pop up. <laughs> or, the, yeah, like the the stomach surgeons. Like, right. I'm pretty good at this, but I'll never be a brain surgeon. <laughs> like, like, one thought I had was, um, was, like, thinking back to my childhood. And I kind of, you know, you look at um, doctors and lawyers and teachers and police officers and, and these 
at least when I was a child, these were, these were like the pillars of society in my mm-hmm. mind, right? Yeah. And I thought, well, if, you know, oh, you're a police officer, you're a teacher, like you must have this incredibly specialized training. You must have been, you know, working your whole life towards this. You know, must be strongly vetted that you got into this position. And then I got a little bit older and I knew people that started going into these professions. <laughs> Wait a minute. And I said, like, oh, yeah, they're just people, right? <laughs> you know, we're all just people at the end of the day. So, like, I mean, it obviously does exist in other professions. But, yeah, just kind of a general thought. I wondered, do other professions uh, battle with it as much? Is it is it less prevalent? And the one thought I have is I wonder, in our industry, there is, um, you know, if you want to be a doctor in Canada or the U.S., for instance, you know, we, it's a very prescribed kind of uh, path you need to take education-wise, right? You're doing a, a university uh, degree and then and then your your med med school and some residency after that. Um, whereas in our industry, there's there's really no prescription for how you get there, right? There's not even like a, a baseline certification. There's no minimum level of education you necessarily have to have. It's a lot of like, show me what you can do, right? Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that contributes to it is that some people might come in and feel like, well, I never really got trained, quote unquote, trained to do this. And maybe that's where some of that, I don't know what I'm doing kind of comes into it. Yet some of the best developers I know like, oh, yeah, didn't absolutely. go to school or, you know. Absolutely. And, and, people well, who and as a side note, I have a friend who is a surgeon. And, <laughs> oh. And, <laughs> an orthopedic surgeon. And he, he said, I remember midway through residency, he's like, like three quarters of what I do is closer to building a deck than it is to like doing any kind of medicine. Like right. you really don't, I don't need all this specialized training I've got for a lot of what I do. Right. So. I think too, with our, with programming, it's more like, like the results of our uh, code output, I guess, especially nowadays, right. Most stuff is web-based. Mm-hmm. So the results are, are way more public. Plus, like, you can go through, like, line by line. I don't think you, in a film, like, acting in a film, you can't really go through, like, every little nuance. And, and and I think there's a lot more people in development for whatever reason that maybe they're trying to get over this feeling but are, like, very vocal about what they think is the right no. way. No. Right? <laughs> and this, this can be super intimidating to put something out there and then have, like, someone potentially who you admire just, like, totally you know come down on you and like no you should have done it this way or that way or the other thing so i don't know why that is so prevalent i guess in the development industry but i I wish that you know more less people would would be like that so that yeah if people start putting stuff out there they don't get like slammed down right away um so yeah i don't know if that's really the case and you know you're running into a fire and someone's (laughs) like oh oh you should have should have done three steps Mm. per second instead of four i don't know you could have tripped man (laughs) (laughs) you know like there just isn't that level of uh um i don't know uh, opinion i guess that comes comes Mm -hmm. out sometimes well i was thinking back to like what you were saying about like is it more is it more prevalent in our industry Mm -hmm. and i think a big factor of that is the internet allows for uh, i don't know what the right word is for it but it provides a a, a, like a sheen or a wall that you can put up that can look very pretty it's like a it's like a stage prop almost right where you can facade a facade that's the one that's the word i'm looking for (laughs) you can have a really nice facade where you can like it looks like you like this is something I learned recently working in consultancy. It looks like you could be like this big million dollar company with a beautiful website. And then we go to visit the client and it's literally like two guys in a house stuffing stuff into a box themselves. And it's, <laughs> it allows for that kind of veneer layer upon everything 
that allows it to look like much bigger and much more successful and much more important than it really is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sort of reminds me of when I was, like I started developing when I was what, 11, 12 or something. And by the time I was like 14, 15, like I had a popular online bingo game that I was launching and I was working with like these people on the internet, you know, like I was so lucky that I had high speed internet back in like 99, <laughs> 98, um, who were able, or, and game development as well. Like not just the bingo game, but also like these DOS based games. And I was working with like a, a musician in Australia and like, uh, you know, a, a graphic designer in the States somewhere who, if they probably would have seen me right. <laughs> in my 15 year old self, been like, you up on the phone. Yeah. Right. Hey, it's me. <laughs> Oh, my voice cracked. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it wouldn't have worked out so well, right? So, yeah. um, and so many, which also got a little creepy with the bingo game where, where I called the numbers and all these like, you know, 55 plus female retired were like, oh, your voice sounds so sexy. I'm like, please stop. <laughs> I'm 60 years old. Just stop. So, yeah, so you are able to portray whatever you like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, versus like, yeah, like you said, so many other industries that you, you, you can't, um, which you can be a good thing. A storefront. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's a good thing in a way because then it focuses on like the output of what you're building and what you're doing and, and what you put out there and, and the value that it creates versus these like really shallow things that in the end don't matter, right? Like where you're working from and how your office looks and the thing that you're propping your monitor and your, your computer up with, who cares, right? Like you're still, you're still providing that value regardless of, uh, you know, things that other people might perceive as like, Oh, you're doing that. Uh, That's weird. So yeah, so (laughs) so it can be good and bad (laughs) at the same, the same time. Everyone's just trying to put their, their best face forward in life though. Right. Isn't that a, Everybody lies in their resume, you know. Everyone, <laughs> I've everyone, never you know, lied on my resume. Not lie, but maybe, maybe, and this is hypothetical. Maybe you've said something that that uh, insinuates that you you had more responsibility on a particular task than you did, or or what you did, you know, at, at a particular job. Was, I certainly have done this. <laughs> a particular job was a little more glamorous or involved than it was. Right? It's all you, man. Like we haven't done this. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that's human nature, and it's, I think it's very understandable at the same time. Uh, but I think it's something we need to. Always keep in mind at the same time when yeah. dealing with people. We are all humans. We are all humans. Humans Speak are for people yourself. <laughs> Except for Jillian Jeff Elite over here. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing I had on my list was the books. I have read Clean Coder by Bob Martin, and oh, that kind of gave like a, what do you mean, oh God? Well, I just, that was one of those ones where it's like, you know, 40 hours a week uh, programming and, you know, and at least 20 hours outside of that, you know, which if you do the math works out to what, like five hours a night, you know, for four nights a week. And if or you don't eight do hours, it, you're not a real programmer. You're not a yeah. real programmer. <laughs> you know, code. There's, there's parts of the book that I didn't read. I mean, right? that, I, that I skimmed over. Yes. That I was just like, oh, you know, I can't take this. I no, I read the whole thing, but I didn't take it to heart. Like, there are some, like, yes. pretty important things in that book, like time management and learning when to do things and whatnot. Mm. But kind of gave me, like, an overall sense of, like, what I should be doing but to not feel like... I don't know what I'm doing. So that that's sort that of stuff. Reminds me of, like... of some tweets I've seen from uh, DHH on Twitter, and he's uh, among other things is I think a good advocate for, um, in a way, imposter syndrome. I've, I've seen him kind of like challenge tweets where sometimes, you know, maybe a product being sold and make you think like, you know, every developer is you know reading one book a week, and you know if you're not doing this, you're not leveling yourself up, and 
um, I applaud him sometimes for just calling kind of calling BS and some of that stuff and mm-hmm. and um, and being a little more realistic about how things actually work. <laughs> and then you see, oh, why are you saying this? Oh, you're selling this book or yeah. this course or whatever, right? To teach people how to read a book a week. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's yeah. The, the one yeah. the one I saw, I remember, it says it was like um, it was a there was a picture of a stack of books. It was an ad, and it said like you know top CEOs are reading one book a week or something, right? And he was just like. That or sixty books a year, I think it's saying. He's like, that's a bunch of crap. That's more than one book a week. Like, get the hell out of here! I don't <laughs> and like the books were like, you know, get rich fast. And he's like, do you think successful CEOs are reading Get Rich Fast? Like, Shut up! <laughs> I like that guy. Uh, <laughs> what I meant to say is take things with a grain of salt yes. and don't follow everything word for word. Right. But it, but I did think that. that I'm like, oh man, I'm not I'm not doing that. I, I don't want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> right? Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Because if you're not talking to other people who can, ag- can agree with you on that, then uh, yeah, you, you might think if you're, and actually a lot of more, that might be a thing as well, that a lot more developers are in isolation mm-hmm. sometimes. So then they read stuff like that and if you don't have another point of reference, you might think that that is. You gotta follow how the, the book because no one else says it. Yep. Yeah, right. So, yeah. So working in a team and getting out there, even if like you might be a little more introverted, yeah, or just you know go, get into a group online or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, surrounding yourself with more people can hopefully dispel some of those things and, and help you pick which things you want to kind of follow and which you know maybe just aren't right for you. Um, or have a book okay. club channel on Slack like we have here, right. and then. Throw random books in there if anyone's read it. Can get a second <laughs> opinion. Don't just read everything because you see it on the internet. Like you have to be successful. So to be successful, you got to read this book. Can Get Rich Fast be the next one? Put in there. <laughs> Sounds like a great book. So then, is the moral to relax, not worry so much, do what you can, have a friend. <laughs> But also lie a lot online so <laughs> other people can learn this lesson themselves. Putting a facade. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's the key. Um. <laughs> uh, we laugh about this stuff, but it is, it is a pretty important topic. And yeah, hopefully this has helped some people out there. Cool. Any other, uh, any other thoughts to share? Imposters? <laughs> You're the imposter. Yeah. I'm not book qualified I want to, to speak here. <laughs> I've been feeling that too. Uh, Margaret, you had a couple of books that you uh, came across? Yeah, so I saw one book, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do by Amy Morin. I read a, a review on it and um, it shows a lot yeah, of Yeah, I'm just looking things. at a point form list here and I think there's some good stuff, some stuff we've touched on. Don't worry about pleasing everybody is one in the list here, right? I think that's something we touched on for sure, right? Huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah I, when I put myself out there, I, I can't be concerned that I'm going to teach something to everyone and everyone's going to get something from it, but I'm putting it out there because I feel like somebody can get something from it. Right. And um, the book that she wrote, too, doesn't really pertain to our industry. It kind of covers imposter syndrome wherever you are, right? It's not just in computer science. And then the other book that I did see that is for developers is called The Imposter's Handbook by Rob Connery. Hmm. So I read a lot of reviews on that one too and looked like a pretty good book, especially for um, developers. So I'll be checking that one out. Well, Daniel, Brian, thanks for coming in today. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. I just want to give a quick shout out to Ray Ray, um, my cousin T Tone. Uh, little Louie in Atlanta. Little B, you know what you out there. You know what you're doing, kid. 
Need more Torqued? Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast service. Give us a rating and review while you're there. We're online at podcast.vehicle.com and on Twitter at Vehicle. Hit us up at goatvehicle.com with any longer comments. I'm Margaret Tavares. I'm Dan Sapelsa. Catch you next time. Happy coding. <laughs>